a bunch of witty bitches. Hey, Papa. Hey, I have a quip. You have a quip. We'll put that for a quip. It's just cadals. Pero pepo. A pepo. Hello. F- <laughs> You've already that gotten used to off? me being gone. That cut you off? You got a little cut off there. Yeah. Man, that was my bad. That's a sacred moment. I didn't mean to take that from yeah, you. Yeah, that's all right. Going back to number three. Yeah. I know. <laughs> a lowly number three. A forgettable number three. We're like a two and a half. It's me, honey. That's oh, Max. Hey, hey. What's going on? You're here today, too. That's great. You're, of course, you're listening to Middle Finger Max, and we've got Pinky Toe Dorset over here. Yeah, Mr. Pinky Toe. So what does that make you, Mr. Chase Williams? I feel like I'm a thumb. Can, oh, you're, can, yeah, yeah, you're a thumb for I sure. I can get by behind thumb chase. It's important. <laughs> Stubby, but important. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Max, it's good to have you back here on Witty Banter, episode number 83. It's good to be back. A little bit of a hiatus, you know, I needed a break from you too. I wanted you guys to reconnect. I listened to the last episode. It was a fun little reunion. Mm-hmm. So You know what I've realized? Like There's not a single episode of Witty Banter that I am not on, I don't think. I was thinking about that too. And I love you, Chase, and I love being on the show with you, but I anxiously Don't await stop. Don't stop. the moment when the me, you and, host and me that, yeah, that me and, and Hunter run Hunter. the show. Yeah. And, yeah. So it'll be on different wheels at that point for sure. It, well what it sucks because I want to see that episode also, but I don't want to lose this fiery streak I got, man. I feel you, yeah. I mean, you're on fire right now. You know, it's like once I get shot. my first tardy to class then i don't care anymore yeah, but as long as i got perfect attendance exactly halfway through the school year you miss one day of class and then you miss like the yeah, next go for the gold man yeah then you really do then you fail your next test yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're done all it takes is one all right witty banter reviews a beer and today's beer is the brunette nut brown ale uh max can totally drink this right yeah i looked into it and i don't see anything that's like it's we, just brown we overlooked that yeah again. that's what i'm saying well, no, I looked into it. I didn't overlook it when we suggested this beer, but it yeah. looks like it's not like, you know, the obvious <laughs> pecan porter. I mean, it's just going to whatever. <laughs> that last I don't know. Time. I've got a description here that might uh, might sway your opinion. Well, this look, this will be this exciting. We'll, we'll play a game called drink. Is Max Allergic? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we both win. Uh, Nebraska Brewing Company is the one that's putting this out. The nut brown, brunette nut brown ale. They're putting it's, out the nut. Putting, out, putting off the nuts. Uh, 4.7% alcohol by volume. It's got 20 IBUs, and it reads on their website, our version of the classic English-style brown ale has a blend of six different malts and a hop schedule that results in a low-hop character. The unique malt character brings to mind the taste of a blend of various nuts. Coffee, toffee, caramel, Tend to come to mind in this excellent session ale. Tend to come? What? what was the last one? Tend to come. No, not tend to come. Not my favorite spice, the tentacum. And a little bit of a splash of tentacum in there, so let's try it out. Tentacle porn, I tend to come. Let that one slide, man. There we go. That was a fastball, man. I don't know. Oh man, I'm not the one but hearing I, stuff. I think I'm good because at no point do I ever like like have I ever read any description of this beer that was like infused with or anything. It's very like the tasting notes you're gonna get are nuts. Hmm. So I think I'm all only right. Twenty only twenty something out. IBUs. I really that's, have, f- that's fucking low. Yeah, it's yeah. a chill ass beer, dude. It's a session. It's a session ale. 
Low alcohol, yeah. low low bitterness. Yeah. Well, I'm, okay. So when when it when it called itself an English ale or a pub ale, what was the description? Uh, an English brown ale. Yeah. What does that bring to mind? Because when I think you guys have a trouble over there, <laughs> have, have you, you popped, popped the top? I popped say. the top, dude. It's like it's a terrifying. Very, like, it is a like, sharp. Usually, it's just kind of like a, yeah. but this is like a. Dude. <laughs> like when you pop it again, that's usually a. But this one's a gadunk, and it's really yeah. terrifying. <laughs> Everybody knows what I mean by gadunk. <laughs> you know, you open a beer, gadunk. You know, you got it. Possibly a kerplunk. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I, what comes to mind is what you're asking. Yeah, for me, like a English brown ale, I'm thinking about just a you know like pub drinks like Bass and even Guinness. I know Guinness is a stout, but I when I'm in that mindset of like I just want to drink a heartier drinking beer, those are the sort of beers I'm thinking about. Right, and I, and when I think of like a pub ale or like an English style something, or especially when I think of a session ale, I think of it going down relatively smoothly and maybe having a shorter pro- profile and not sticking around in your mouth a whole lot. Yeah, um, but this beer is really kind of like palatable so far. The first sip I had, it's clear that it's a four point seven percent beer. <laughs> Are you guys still blow having your minds blown by these tops? Yeah. Well, the top is definitely you're different because it comes supposed off to pull like a it all the way can. off completely. Like Did you do that with yours? The top yes. is essentially a soup can. Top. Oh, I just like popped it and then tried to pour it. And was like, this fucking sucks. This is taking forever <laughs> yeah, for me like to a pour noob. this beer. Yeah, I'm obviously a. <laughs> they thought they were being novel. They just confused their. Uh, they're consumers. <laughs> this is different, and I don't like it. I give it a three. Okay. Well, look, look. I, I like the beer so far, right? On first taste, I think it has, like, a, a nice sweet richness that's somehow very, sh- like, short-lasting, and it does seem drinkable right now, so. Yeah. Okay. It stays true to its name. It's got a nice little bread flavor in there as well. Yeah, a little breadiness. Mm-hmm. Um, is it the I, bread I, ale? I was kind of expecting it to be just, like, aesthetically, like, darker and maybe even harder to, like... Uh, maybe even harder to see through. It looks kind of just like a, I don't know. It's like a reddish brown. I, I thought it would be like brown. Like when I think of nut brown, I'm thinking like, like a mahogany. You're not thinking <laughs> the right nuts, man. There's, There's a lot of nuts mahogany. out there, man. Is there some red and mahogany? Maybe I yeah. just don't know my woods. Very well. <laughs> maybe it's not a craftsman. Um. So have you had a sip of it? I have. It's uh like I said, it was good. Nice little like yeastiness to it. Uh, very. very very light flavor profile. Um, doesn't really carry too much weight at all, but it's very good so far. I like it. It's, I guess it's weird, like, thinking about beers that have six different types of... Well, they said six different ki- types of malts, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I guess it's just hard for me to ever make out, like, hop characteristics, even, like, when it's something that's so... Like, like 20 IBUs. I, I'm just... I guess I'm so used to just being able to describe more hoppy characteristics and like more bitter beers and stuff and getting it off of that. Um, but th- I mean, it's nice and it's nice and malty and bready and uh, yeah, it's it, it's doing the job right now. It doesn't have a whole lot of like carbonation to the taste, which yeah. gives it. Again, I think that's really key, actually. Flavor. I think that's key yeah. to the to why I'm liking it so far. I agree. Okay, well, we have uh, we got to get a bit of news to go through because. Um, we missed out on some stories I want to talk to uh, talk about from last week because okay. Max, you weren't here. We're gonna geek out a little bit. Ooh! So let's let's bounce on into it. This is witty banter. A bit of a bit of 
stage fright over there, dude? Uh, no, it's, it's been a while since I've been, been back on. It's been a funky on. episode so far. I'm just trying to figure it out. You know, I wasn't sure if I was allowed to beep or not. Perfect. It's that easy, dude. You step up to the plate and beep a bit, dude. Fucking be a man and beep, you know? Well, you a little me a little him. Let's do it. Do it, yeah. <laughs> All right, listen. This is from Eurogamer.net, and the title is Street Fighter Five Sales Grind to a Halt as Community Calls for Revamp. Um, basically, Capcom updated its sales figures for its for Street Fighter Five, and they report it has shipped 1.4 million copies of Street Fighter since February, and that was the same exact number they reported back in May. And it means that fewer than a hundred thousand copies have been have been shipped from May thirtieth to September. And there's more in this story, but I wanted to talk about just that first. This game does that alarm you? Um, what like what kind of like a drop off from one point four million sold in a couple months to not even a tick? Well, yeah, naturally, um, it's really bad. Like the game is not selling towards any expectations that they had. And I think that it just had one of the roughest game launches that I've ever been a part of. Really? Yeah. Huh. Like, <laughs> it was really bad, you know? And like, from, I'm a very niche consumer in the fact that not only do I like only pretty much only exclusively play fighting games, I pretty much only play fighting games so I can play them online and try to get better. Right. And in that game, that was like the only thing you could do. Right. Which was cool for me, but everybody else on the planet just felt like it was such an incomplete package. And a lot of people think that it still is an incomplete package. Um, I'm worried about it, dude. I don't like, I can't imagine with all of the push that they're giving the tournament scene and the essentially professional uh, street fighter scene that it's going to die off. But I do think that like but they does need to this, do something to re-inspire the community. Does this severely limit what the tournament scene can become, though? That's yeah. kind of been the angle I've been trying to think about it this way. Is like, what does this mean for us when we've been sitting here trying to get excited about Street Fighter really coming into its own as a mainstream esport? It's like, how is that possible if they don't have a big base of people who play it? Yeah. You know, it's right not. now we just, you know what I mean? Like, uh, w w does that mean they're automatically limited to just the hardcore people who basically watch Street Fighter, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's just a money thing, too. Like, I think what's happening is they originally came out with the game with this weird sort of obscure, like, this new Street Fighter is going to be so much different than the old one. And it's going to be so much more, like, accessible to new players. Okay. But it didn't do anything for new players at all like there was no reason for somebody to well get i'm a game. new player that's true that's true and so maybe what did it do for you it it, it it gave me a uh a clean slate to start with you know yeah. if i felt like it gave me a level playing field to come in on and, and begin to learn so i guess that's not true i think maybe a new player who's looking to like get behind the competitive scene is definitely in there but i think that they also wanted people to come in and be able to have fun and play it easily and have it be more of a quote-unquote like casual experience like a like a party game almost. Yeah, like more of a party style game and that was just not there and when people didn't buy it i think that they lost out on a lot of money and i think that they had these kind of big plans to uh support the game uh without having to push too much like you know like things that had to be bought. Like they didn't want to push too much DLC that was expensive. 
So what am I trying to say? I'm trying to say that like they wanted to support the game for free. Exactly. But I think that they couldn't because they didn't sell enough copies. And then what ended up happening is that people like me who did buy the game and love the game now are like being stretched very thin because everything that they come out with now, I'm like super hesitant to purchase. And everything that comes out, despite what I was told at the beginning where it was all going to be free or at least have options of being free, like doesn't seem to be true. And all I'm expecting now is like, okay, I'm going to have to essentially buy this game again next year. So, I mean, I guess... My perspective, I'm just thinking, what are are they just making promises and not delivering on them? Are they having a bad vision and not executing that vision? Like, what do y'all think is the real reason? Like, like, and plus, I mean, what is a normal trend of sales for for like a a lifetime of a, a normal Street Fighter game? Like, um. I would have to look at the numbers again. And it's also different because... He's got this notebook full of the numbers. <laughs> He's no, just got to go check it real quick. Charts. But you got to yeah, think about dude. when Street Fighter 4 came out, it was like a 10-year difference between when Street Fighter 3 came out. So, so when that came out, everybody was like, what the fuck? And like flipped their lid and it was uh-huh. super hype. And it sold a shitload because it was such a popular name and a, like a lot of things were coming out. And also, they released essentially a new game like almost... If not every year, at least bi yearly. Mm-hmm. You know, but there's I mean, a new version of it. But like most bucks. of the sales are going to happen naturally at the beginning when it releases. Mm-hmm. But when you have a game that's like, you know, like Street Fighter 4, like what you said, did it just naturally sort of slowly tail off? And this one just had like a sharp decline after its release? Considering that, yeah, I mean, like they essentially reported almost the same number, like less than 100,000 people. Like everybody went out and bought it day one. And then nobody bought it after that, like, in sense. I wonder that's, if that's more about the, the content of the game being good enough. So that's my question, though, right? Is I, and now I'm wondering, there's, there's, there's a, what sucks for Capcom is there, there's quite a few things that we're able to point to as possibly the reason for the, reason for the soft sales. Maybe it's a combination of all of them. Um, but I'm, uh, one that gets thrown out, uh, first is that it was an incomplete game. It was not yeah. a complete package. Uh, you you didn't get your story mode. You didn't get an arcade mode, and so on and so forth. That people that people come to expect from uh, what you guys. I I just good? thought to myself, no arcade mode. That doesn't it yeah. doesn't, seem, doesn't even seem that difficult to be able to make an arcade mode, right? I mean, yeah. so so yeah. So let me let me finish the point real quick. Okay, and I and I think I think that those are all. It's like it's obvious that that's a fuck up, and it's obvious that charging sixty dollars for that sixty dollars for that kind of thing isn't the way to go. But I'm wondering now, even if it had all of that, let's say it had, let's say it launched with all of that, I still wonder if the sales would be this soft because I just don't, I don't see the large AAA gaming audience ever really just really being drawn in by Street Fighter as a brand. I don't see a lot of people who. Who have the money? Um, who spend sixty dollars on a game? Like it just doesn't seem to me that that's who, what a fighting game would appeal to. And I do wonder if they if they could have if this would have been a way different story if the game was just twenty dollars and you bought it and I like at a lower price point. So the expectations were set much differently, and then they kind of foster goodwill through that and they sell their incredible fighting engine. The game's mechanics are fucking solid, as we see in the in the tournaments. You know, what do you, what do you guys what do you think about that, Max? Like, well, I think that the one that you want to like 
compare it to mostly is Mortal Kombat. And the fact that Mortal Kombat sold buttloads. Yeah, like, I was wondering how like it's triple A numbers. You know what I mean? So if you're trying to compare it to be like a brand, and Street Fighter is supposed to be a comparable brand right. to Mortal Kombat. Yeah. And it's nowhere close. And we're talking about Mortal Kombat X? Mortal Kombat X and everything involved with Mortal Kombat okay. X. And it's not even like, it doesn't even scratch the surface. And you got to think of what does a game like Mortal Kombat X offer you that a game like Street Fighter V doesn't. And I think even, you know, the story mode in Mortal Kombat X wasn't that great, but it was still like Yo, a cinematic the, experience. Yeah, the polish and the presentation on MKX is astounding. Yeah. Just through and through, for yeah, sure. For sure. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's a good point, though, right? Like, it's not that fighting games just can't sell these mainstream numbers because that's obviously not true when you look at Mortal Kombat. So then it is what market, what what part of the market is Mortal Kombat speaking to that got them all those extra sales that Street Fighter just doesn't have, you know? They definitely do have, the I think, the more laid-back, goofy casual player who is willing to pick it up, have fun with friends, see some of the fatalities and move on. And with Street Fighter 5, there's no there's no fun there outside of the fun you're going to have with competition with it. You know yeah. what I mean? There's only competitive aspects to it, which is I think what it's it's losing out on. I think when you pick up a game like Mortal Kombat, you can do fucking wacky things. You can play the story mode, you can play all the goofy like you know, test your lucks and other sort of like goofy setups that would make me playing with somebody who doesn't know how to play fighting games a fun experience for everybody. Well, and they switched up the mechanics for 10 too, right? I mean, they have like the x-ray vision stuff and... There's definitely a lot more gimmicky aspects to Mortal Kombat. And like they have like downloadable characters like Jason and the Predator and stuff, which are kind of goofy, but like they bring in a little bit of like an outside audience I would Mm -hmm. expect... I guess I guess it would it would make sense that uh, from the perspective that you make a game that when you play it it's fun but you build in the mechanics that allow for competitive aspects to be able to you know be pursued it, versus really honing down on the competitive aspect and then hoping that everyone thinks it's fun yeah exactly <laughs> you know? um, but. which is it's funny because you look at Mortal Kombat and it's really like in the community not viewed as one of the most like high technical difficulty fighting games mm-hmm. and it's usually very low on if it's like a big tournament with multiple games it's usually very early you know not yeah. considered to be a very big one but that being said it has one of the best like pushes from both nether realms and other companies in the fighting game scene like in the actual fighting game community in the competitive world mm-hmm. like there's a lot of pot donations given to that game like if you win those tournaments you tend to, you end up even if you're you know waking up at 10 a.m and playing a 10 a.m tournament you're winning more money yeah, on those tournaments than you are at the ones that go on at six or seven. Yeah, and I think with and characters, what were you saying? I was just say that's another. That's sort of how I want to transition even to the next news story that we have, and where I also want to take this conversation is just what does it mean for Street Fighter as an esport? Because I think Street Fighter is such a weird, such a weird community slash game in the sense that. When you go, the prize pools are getting pretty fucking big, you yeah. know, like $110,000 for first place or whatever it may be. It's fucking nuts, right? Yeah. And when you have like League of Legends type numbers and stuff like that, you get these massive stadiums of people. At Street Fighter Five. you're playing for a big, a huge pot of money, but 
the only people who are there are the people who are in that little convention room. Like you and I could go, we could all go to a tournament together and go meet like the most legendary dudes. Cause they're just standing around, <laughs> yeah. you know? And it's just so, this, this weird dichotomy of this is the game that got on ESPN two yet. No one's buying it. And it doesn't have a huge like scene at, at the actual competitions. It's just, it's fucking, it's all in contradiction with each other, you know, in a, yeah. in a sense. At least that's the way it feels to me. I don't know. No, I, I 100% agree with that. Um, there was like, in a game that I feel like is growing to that point first, even before Street Fighter V, is like the melee scene and like the Super Smash Brothers scene and how separate that <laughs> is from Street Fighter V. It doesn't get that same recognition, but those people are like, those players are almost considered more famous in a way. You know, <laughs> like there's a lot more issues of like, player privacy and things like that like you said like we can just you know walk into fucking evo next year and just like you know shoulder through the crowds and take a picture with daigo you know like that's cool but there's a lot of it's different in all these other gaming scenes and i don't know why it's like that with street fighter 5 but who knows well do you think it's do you think it's more of a an issue with the marketing and the vision of the game from the developer standpoint, or do you think that it's some sort of like odd rejection slash uh, disconnect with the audience? Like it's probably a little bit of both, but I'm, I'm just wondering like if there is a clear disconnect, I'm wondering if it's more of like a, Oh, okay. They put this out there. It's not really my thing versus like they thought this was going to hit and they just whiffed, you know? Yeah, I, I do think that Capcom was way overconfident with the projections. They said they were going to sell 2 million copies by March. You know, yeah. here we are, still stuck at 1.4 million. So I think they were clearly out of touch with, like, them kind of just saying, like, our, our players will buy it. You know, like, it'll be fine. It'll be okay. And I don't think they really reckoned with what they actually had and, and how the optics of that was going to play out for them. You know, the marketing may have worked at first, but then once people got the bad taste in their mouth and went back on the internet and said, Hey, what the fuck? Yeah. Then that was all gone, you know? Exactly. <laughs> anyway, uh, that was a good discussion. So this, this next story comes from Kotaku and it kind of stays in the land of esports. And it says, uh, announced at BlizzCon 2016, the Overwatch League is a professional gaming organization modeled after traditional sports, complete with regional teams, baseline, minimum salaries and benefits. Basically, Blizzard is looking to create the NFL or NBA of Overwatch esports. Teams will be based around major cities, fostering regional fan and player bases. And a quote from uh, Mike Morhaime, CEO and co-founder of Blizzard, says, The Overwatch League represents not only the pinnacle of Overwatch competition, but also a genuine career opportunity for the most skilled Overwatch players. We're building a league that's accessible to players and fans, sustainable and exciting for everyone involved, end quote. I wanted to bring this one up because we talked in a segment a few episodes ago about what what games would actually make good mainstream esports, and I think we all kind of talked about how Overwatch as a first-person shooter, we think that is more hurdles to overcome uh, and as far as the audience that doesn't play games than a, than a game that was a little more static would uh, would would generate. But we've got Blizzard going in and giving minimum salaries and benefits and actually trying to create like this professional league around it. Um, I've been talking with people 
around my office who think that by 2020 esports are going to be you know bigger than the NBA, and of course that's just their gut feeling. Who knows if that's actually going to come true or not? But it's interesting seeing people who have been a long who've been in the gaming industry for a long time be like, dude, esports is about to pop off, and we have companies like Blizzard who are trying to get ahead of the curve and sort of monopolize their own games and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I think, I mean, saying by 2020 is a, That's a bold little close. statement. That's very <laughs> close. Maybe like 2030. Yeah. Uh, I don't. But, I don't think that's as bold as it sounds. To be completely really? honest, I think that's a totally plausible thing. You know, I, I think. I mean, when he says bigger than the NBA and or create looking to create the NFL of Overwatch, whatever you know, that's that's a pretty hyperbolic statement. But I think it's more about thinking of it in terms of how much money is being passed and and things like that. And then in that case, yeah, maybe not by twenty twenty that players are being paid salaries of hundreds of millions a year or whatever people on like baseball players make. But the fact that they're giving benefits is seems more legit than any league and anything that I've seen set up yet. So I thought it was worth bringing to the table, you know, absolutely. I mean, I think the most interesting part is uh, making them like regional based teams. Hmm. I think that's the coolest thing ever. Like having a Houston overwatch team. Yeah. Is fucking (laughs) sick. Because yeah. honestly, what that does is it makes somebody like me who doesn't play Overwatch, at least you know, catch it on stream and be like, "Oh, Houston's in this." Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah fucking go yeah. Houston. Yeah, I support that guy. Who's he playing? The big monkey. Yeah, I like that guy to win. That guy's awesome. exactly. You know, I yeah. think that's super sick. And I think that's like it's definitely going to be a tough thing to do at the beginning. It's definitely going to be like almost kind of a deficit to just say, "Hey, these are going to be the major cities that you know they have probably have the biggest scenes." And like you know, you want to try to get onto that team. It's going to be kind of an awkward start. But once that kind of gets rolling and once people do start feeling the sort of like hometown vibe and associate that with esports, that's like all, not all sports is, but that's like 75% of like sport love. That's what I was going to say. That is like mostly sport love is loving your hometown or where you live or where you are. Yeah. It's like having, it's the tribalism Mm -hmm. effect. But, and like, I think those are the biggest hurdles that, uh, you know, sports like tennis and golf are going to have in being able to draw like, large numbers of like legitimate support because you don't have like that home team like woo yeah. woo you know like this is what we're supposed to root for kind exactly. of thing um and, and and i was thinking about it um i think that's a great point uh, i think that'll give it a lot of legitimacy and a lot of people who like wouldn't care about it otherwise would be like oh yeah cool so like this is my city doing yeah. the thing and my you know and um but I was also thinking about it from the business standpoint of Blizzard, where how how much of this is them trying to be like generous and be like, oh, like we want to set up something that benefits everybody. And then how much of it is them thinking like, if we can make a legitimacy around this and we're like the forefront leaders, then that boosts us to like a next level stratosphere as a game developer. You know, I think, I think maybe that was the point I was trying to make and I didn't even know it earlier when I was talking about uh, these things potentially popping up as early as 2020. Um, because to me, what it shows is it shows Blizzard seeing the potential of esports and being like, we have to fucking do this and we got to do it now and we got to be ahead of the curve and we got to be the ones controlling what, like controlling our brand and, and getting the profits and the benefits from it. Um, and using and seeing that as, as a, as a, a sign of 
of their possible explosion to come, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm really Cause no, I agree. I agree with you. It's, I think it's definitely them trying to be like, we want, you know, we want to keep, we want to stay in control of our, of our games and, and things like that. And if they're going to make all of this money, then the money should be going to us. Cause it's, it's our game. Um, and who knows if they're, they're being, if they get generous or stingy with benefits and, and salaries, but I still think the fact that they're going to be paying, professional player have some sort of program where you can get fucking benefits mm-hmm. you know like or, or a salary like i think that's a fucking amazing starting point you right know? yeah absolutely i was gonna ask real quick before we move like i think one of the biggest things that people enjoy about sports is that you can tune in and out at your leisure do you feel like that same um casual like oh, I'll check in on what's going on in the game and then I'll talk to my friend over here and then I'll tune back in. Do you think it's a little different with e-games where like you kind of have to be focused on what's going on in order to really be like following and like enjoying what's going on in the game? Because I I mean, I I feel like sometimes you could be like, oh, like I'm watching a basketball game and it's like 35 to 40 and then I start talking to a girl for like 15 minutes and then I zoom back in, chatting up all the women. And then I, and then I, you know, and then I give a few numbers out. And I'm like, it's time to watch this game again. And then I zoom back in, and we're, you know, it's sixty to seventy-five, and I'm back, and like I didn't lose any of that experience. Whereas, like, if you're in a game and it's like first to seventy-five, it, I don't know. I, I'm just wondering. I, I I think I think there are plenty of games that do offer um, lulls for a player to tune out in, and then even with sh- uh, first-person shooter games like Overwatch, I think they're at more of a disadvantage. But there are game modes where there's visual language on the screen, like uh, like it could be a capture the flag, and one player you know one team has four, the other has one, or it's uh, like a zone control type game, and you're seeing mm-hmm. like a tug of war going on up red and blue on the top of the screen, you know, like, right. You'll be able to. There, there's different. Yeah, because I think it, it comes it's, it's the same ways. thing. Like, there's always going to be, at least in a game like Overwatch, there's going to be a score. Yeah, you know, that you can just uh, you can dip in on. And if you miss something, it's the same that is like you know, oh, you missed that fucking sick headshot or whatever. It's the same <laughs> as like, dude, earlier fucking LeBron like got tackled by three dudes and like threw <laughs> the ball from half court and it was jump sick. swish. Like you know, it's just you know something like that. So you want to stick around for those moments, but you don't necessarily have to. So cool. thing offers a lot of freedom. I'm excited for it. I, I can't wait to see how this turns out. All right. A couple more short little news stories to round us out here. This one comes from IGN, and it reads, Quentin Tarantino confirms his 10th film will be his last. It reads, after suggesting as much in the past, Pulp Fiction and Kill Bill director Quentin Tarantino has announced that he will indeed retire after making his 10th film. And there's a quote from him that says, drop the mic, boom, tell everybody, match that shit. And that's what he said after giving (laughs) (laughs) giving the news. I would have totally thought he had more than 10 already. He's had his hands in a few films, but I think like purely directed films. Hey, uh, The Protector was produced by Quentin Tarantino, man. Yeah. The Protector. Yeah, that's it's an awesome martial arts film. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. My be, you know, and the article the article mentions other things that he does, like he's working on a historical nonfiction project that could be a book or a documentary or a podcast. He says, and he's also looking at maybe turning the hateful eight into like a stage play. Like he's got other creative endeavors, yeah. but I think when it comes to his mainland films, he's gonna end it out at ten. Yeah, I think that's, you know, I I think it's okay. It it sucks to like know, you know, like I would almost like to like 
because I'm not necessarily waiting around for like the next Quentin Tarantino film, but when one pops up, I'm like, you want to okay, watch it? Oh yeah, I will schedule around it. That's what know? I'm saying. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. But I don't we'll think it's schedule the last around year from him. You know, nothing on Friday this time. <laughs> <laughs> well, and so like his first movie was what Pulp Fiction. No, his very uh, first was Reservoir Dogs, right? Reservoir Dogs? No, no, it was Jackie Brown. I'm Jackie sorry. Brown? Yeah. Okay, I don't even know what that is. is. And that was what, like early 90s? Maybe late 80s. So he's been around almost almost 30 years, yeah. if not over 30 years. Uh, and I guess that just is a tribute to the fact that, I mean, he's not putting out movies like left and right, like Spielberg and... And freaking Michael Bay and shit. So like <laughs> Michael Bay and Steven Spielberg, yeah. the quintessential directors. <laughs> no, of our I just time. mean like they're putting them out. <laughs> they're putting out. They're putting out product, man. People can consume their shit left and right. Yeah, and so like whenever he puts his out, people are like, "Oh gosh, it's Quentin Tarantino. We gotta watch." <laughs> oh gosh, Quentin Tarantino is like George R. R. Martin, except if all of his movies were in a series. He just <laughs> sat there for thirty years waiting for the end of it. Do we do we know anything about what like plans he has for the movie at all? Uh, no. I mean something. No, I'm sure he'll I be in it because I hope that whatever he does ends up being a spectacle in a big way. Like honestly, I think if he had stopped at Django, then everybody'd be like, "Damn, that dude's like fucking list is just perfect." But I haven't seen. <laughs> That crazy eight uh, or whatever. The I haven't seen the hateful eight either. Yeah, but I just like wasn't attracted. I to wasn't it. drawn to it, man. Not that I didn't think it looked bad. It was just it was almost like if it wasn't directed by Quentin Tarantino, I'd be like, yeah, I'll go check out. That looks like a cool movie. I think but, the biggest draw away for me was Samuel Jackson's lead role in it. I don't know why, but like I just really like Samuel L. Jackson in Pulp Fiction, and then everything after that, like with him, it just seemed like. Him and Quentin Tarantino were like buds, and Samuel L. Jackson was just a lead role in a bunch of his stuff. Yeah, and then you're like, film, bro. okay, I get it. Like he was a good, he did, he played a good role in Django Unchained, and then he was another guy in this in Hateful Eight. And I was like, yeah, I don't think hey, I can. In do like it. four of his movies, right? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That was just me, but yeah. But I just hope that the next one doesn't kind of have that same feel to it. I want it to be like a big and very different. Like I, I don't think it do should be a think- western. Do you think uh, he could do sci-fi? I wouldn't want him to. Yeah, I don't think I would either. Yeah. yeah. I think if he went hard sci-fi, it would be... I don't think he could if do If he it. did hard sci-fi one before his last one. Like, I still want his last one to feel very true Quentin Tarantino style. I wouldn't mind him experimenting with sci-fi. I want him to produce Yeah, I mean, like, everybody movie. was, like, 1950s robots. Like, he could do something that was cool. Yeah, cool. yeah he could shake it up, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> He's the king of cool. He is okay. Uh... This one also from IG. We've got some more IGN articles coming for you. And it says, Apple granted patent for bendable, foldable iPhone design. And I just want to quickly mention this because I saw this. I thought it was really cool. And it says, Apple's been granted a patent for a bendable and or foldable iPhone design. Patently, Apple spotted the patent win for the Cupertino company. And the patent includes what appears to be a clamshell design, but with much more flexibility in how the device bends. So patents get filed, uh, get filed all the time. It never really means that that product's actually going to see the light of day. But I just like right now, dude, I, I want a phone that's tiny. Yeah. You know, like I, if my iPhone could fucking flip up into a sleek little clamshell, I would be all over that shit, man. This is, this story just got me excited. I had to throw it in there. This is just so interesting. Cause I feel like there's this weird like bifurcation where some people just want big 
phones and now some people are like like so tired of big phones and they just want something smaller and more sleek like this is how i feel about it it's like if my phone could be this the like let's say we got the seven plus right this mm-hmm. fucking big almost ipad screen of a phone if i could have that at home and beep bop beep on the couch with it <laughs> fucking great but if like this little bitty call receiver just popped out and I could throw it in like my tiny pocket and take it with me for a <laughs> night. That would be great. Cause dude, I hate having to shove all this crap into my pockets and my jeans are tight. And I'm like walking around, I feel constricted. I, I wear skinny jeans. There's plenty of times that I've been trying to like answer the phone while driving. And then you're just like, Oh fuck. Like it takes, it's like a five minute process getting that phone out of my pocket. You know? Yeah, I agree. Was, but I will say like, I watch a lot. I'd say I've watched the majority of like, videos that i watch online on my phone like i'm not very rarely i'm very rarely like just on my personal computer browsing the internet anymore mm. i feel like i do that mostly on my phone so i i personally think i would probably oh, be more be bigger yeah more more inclined to have the bigger one and everyone that's had the the plus has liked it so far i do like the idea of bendable because then it's like the the odds of it breaking are so much smaller right um if it's something that can i'm thinking of like a rubbery that would be cool because you'd think that your like screen is protected in the bend because that's really like if any phone came out that was as comparable to any of these phones and you could you know just throw it throw against, it against, the, against wall. the wall then i would easily buy that phone over the other phones no matter what other yeah going on i mean so maybe if that adds to its durability that would be <laughs> fucking the thing that i've always that. wanted was the you ability to expand and contract my phone like I know a, it's a yeah, crazy it could be pipe a, dream, but it could be a blanket at the, <laughs> at night when you yeah. needed it. A touchscreen blanket would be sick, dude. Just tell me that it wouldn't be dope to no, have like a one. tiny phone and then just be like, well, it could just be like, and it's a, a fucking a huge iPad TV where it shoots up. Yeah, exactly. And it's just like a big screen that just pops out on it, and you can, you know, like an iPad that. shield. Yeah, that turns into like a, a little laser uh, shield. little microchip. Yeah, that'd be sick. I would Always be put them in our skull, you know. I would pay yeah, good money for that. <laughs> yeah. Put them in our skull. That's that's. Put them in our skull and it. just make us love like Suicide Squad. <laughs> <What>? And you too. <laughs> yeah, so that's those are the two like touchstones of poisoning the well. Make them love Suicide Squad and also have an undying passion for you too. <laughs> the Joshua Tree. <laughs> All right, last story. Funimation gets Dragon Ball Super is working on English dub. From IGN, Funimation and Toei and Toei Animation announced the Dragon Ball Super English dub is in production. Funimation will start simulcasting the newest episode of Dragon Ball Super this weekend, which was like a week ago. Though Funimation didn't say when we can expect the dub, Funimation is adding the English subtitled episodes of Dragon Ball Super to its library at 10 p.m. So it's already there if you're if you're listening to this. Oh, cool. Um, Dragon Ball Super, of course, the latest series in Dragon Ball, and I think it's I think the guy who originally created it. I forget his name. Akira Toriyama. Yes, thank you. Uh, he's he's been working on it, and a lot of people like the big anime dorks who I follow on Twitter, like who who watch it, love it. It's supposed to be really good, and it's getting it. It's finally get on its way to getting its English dub, so we can we will be able to watch a new yeah. saga of Dragon Ball, dude. So I think it's gonna be cool. It's so funny, man. Dragon Ball Z. In Dragon Ball are just I've never watched them without the dubs before and I tried watching super and it was like I watched like 10 episodes of it and it was good but this exactly what I was thinking was just like okay I'm 
I'm going to wait for the dub because that's how I prefer to <laughs> yeah. watch that show. And it's not yeah. like that. It's like a handful, like I, maybe five animes I watch with a dub and the rest are just like strictly non-dub because usually the dubs fucking suck. But it's just something about Dragon Ball that I need. Well, I, think, I need a dub. I think I that's what it is, is. Is you can? Uh, it's whether or not it's a good dub because Goku's voice <laughs> is fucking amazing. The guy <laughs> nails Goku's voice. Sean, whatever the fuck his name is. Shimmel. Shimmel. Yeah. And like that is Goku for me. So oh, yeah. I want to hear that shit. I don't want to hear. And what sucks is the Japanese voiceover for Goku. It's like, <laughs> it's like way too high. It's very Eastern. I don't it's know not, why. It's not I'm manly like, Western at all. I just don't get it. So I, I'm excited. I, I, I just want to kind of know in Dragon Ball S Super, um, <laughs> is it going to be more like, goofy than Dragon Ball Z or is it going to be more like more of what Dragon Ball Z kind of up the ante with seriousness from Dragon well, Ball? Well I tell you what man if they've been following what the movies have done the movies have been very goofy but the last movie that came out actually had me laughing yeah. like in ways that I actually thought were much more clever than I came in expecting. A little sophisticated. You know, it's a little sophisticated. Poking fun at themselves, doing shit that was clearly just for goof's sake. You know, little <laughs> gags here and there. Yeah, I was fucking was chuckling, goof. man. I feel like I kind of need that at this point. Like, as somebody... <laughs> just guys. <laughs> <laughs> as somebody who's watched the show for so long, like, I almost want a little bit more of self-awareness. Cause it's like if they take if they take themselves too seriously and keep being like no, but Goku's power level is now ten point eight million, you know, like that I mean, would that's kinda, still there. I would still be there, but I'd be like, yeah, I don't know if I can get back <laughs> into it again. So if they can draw me in with a little bit more sophistication on the humor aspect, go back I, to the Dragon Ball good old days. I can't recommend the latest movie enough. Yeah, uh, I haven't whatever. got to see it. Dude, it is fucking great. I really think you guys should check it out. Okay, I will. That is the news. Let's go to halftime and come back. If you want to follow the show once the mics have turned off, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Witty Banter Show. Also, like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Witty Banter Podcast and help the show get discovered by leaving a review on iTunes. And finally, steer the conversation by sending a question to wittybantershow at gmail.com or suggest a beer for us to review by going to our website, wittybantershow.com. That's enough plugs. Let's get back to the show. Let me hear your thoughts on the brunette nut brown ale, folks. Okay. It hasn't killed me yet, which is super cool. So yeah. That's awesome. That's so no uh, no, no nutty tingly. responses. No. I mean, I, I keep thinking that I'm feeling it, but I'm pretty sure it's just like psychological and in my head and i'm just like expecting i can't tell right now so we, we look over at you we're just like I, can't I don't know dude i'm pretty anymore. sure i'm just making it up it's gotta be you just think it might just be it's like it could just be like the dryness in the beer or something or just like, <laughs> you know, it could be anything but i'm just like oh, is that did i just swallow is that swallowing because i'm allergic i think I, I got a bit of pecan in there um yeah i was just reading over kind of what they were re- uh, saying about their beer on their website and they note coffee Toffee and caramel uh, tend to come to mind, and I'm not getting a whole lot of that. Yeah, I feel like that's just every fucking marketing team in the like world trying to that. trying to sell a dark beer, you know. Yeah. Um, but I so, do think that it's like a nice a nice session ale. 
and Dude, it does that's have what I'm car- saying. It does I'm have to pace myself. It has like a nice, um, or it does have like the characteristic. I don't. I really don't know. I need to do some more research on like what makes something like an English style ale. Um, but it has that. Whatever that is, I've, I've had enough to know that it has that and it did that well. Um, We've got the instincts for it. So good job, Nebraska, for going little out east. <laughs> but, that's uh, what I'm. That, yeah, that's what I want to add is that I'm having to like pace myself and not drink it so fast because it's such an easy to drink beer and like yeah. it's sweet and it's roasty mm-hmm. and it's it's just got enough bitterness in there, enough hop characteristic to just ground that sweetness because the sweetness isn't even that powerful. It's just a nice little. It's just there. It's, it's a little and something. Yeah, it, I'm digging it. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. Nothing wrong with this beer so far. I sure. think that as it's getting warmer too, it's it's tasting a lot better. I feel like all of the the characteristics and the taste definitely come out more when it's less cold. Yeah, you know, that's been I think the most surprising like from the start of the show, <laughs> like the fact that I used to we be like my beer's got to be ice cold. You know, when we <laughs> first Mount started, blue. I ain't about to do drinking. And the, now it's like, and the, now it's like. <laughs> <laughs> No one really fell out of there. If it it? ain't white, it ain't the person I want to hear from. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I mean, just like, it's just so funny, like talking to, talking to people about the show, even that's like just something that um, people that don't know a whole lot about beer and stuff that I just always kind of laugh to myself when they're just like, I just want like a good, super cold beer. And I'm just like, like, what does cold taste like, huh? (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it's good. I'm, I'm liking this beer. It's doing it's doing the job. All right, Max, did you say your piece? Yeah, I mean everything that I have to say about it right now. You guys pretty much all touched on it so far. His right. throat isn't touching on the inside, so yeah, he's good. the fact that I'm even here is, <laughs> speaks for perished. itself. I think. Oh yeah, yeah. You're a real smug, dude, Max. What? I, smug what? I was talking about my allergy. You asked. I don't think that's smug at all. Really, Max? The fact the that I'm out. even here. Again. Get out of here, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I meant. The fact that I even showed up to your fucking podcast. Oh fuck! We forgot to mention that Carbach got bought. Oh, oh we should dude, touch, dude. want to yeah, talk about that. I we should talk touch on that, that real quick. This is a little a little beer news for you, but uh, one of the fastest growing breweries in Houston called Carbach was recently acquired by Anheuser Busch uh, and their Busch InBev company fucking conglomerate or whatever and we're we you guys live in houston and i know a lot of people live in houston so our are the people who were around were reacting to this and it was a pretty big rejection of 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 that happening which is expected i mean it's absolutely expected what did you guys make of it because it was a it was a stink i mean first (laughs) first smell it from there first i i'm pretty sure that they were the fastest growing brewery in the nation as far as just getting bigger, getting more notoriety and people consuming their shit. As far as like in the year or in the past couple of years, they were just like the fastest growing. As far as people's responses, as usual, I, I'm qualif- I have a qualified opinion where... What do you mean? What do you mean qualified? What the I'm fuck a beer master. Qualified, yeah, like qualified <laughs> means connoisseur. like... <laughs> Qualified means I'm going to say that I feel one way about it, but it's also incorporating a different side of the spectrum. Like, it's not one way or the other. So, like, I have the similar response where it's like, oh, man, they totally sold out. Like, by definition, Mm -hmm. they sold out. And I, like, I don't know if I've gotten to 
see other instances that were as blatant of like a, a an ability to be able to point a finger at somebody and be like, you totally just dropped the ball. Like you sold out. You did something I didn't want you to do. Um, but at the same time, like if I think it just depends on where they go. Cause like if InBev actually allows them to just like do what they're doing and keep creating the beer that they want to create and just scope better, you know, like, or, or to scale better, I should mean, uh, or I should mean, I, I don't have a problem with it as much. Um, I do think it's, it's still not as preferable as just organically growing your brewery, but, uh, but I do, I mean, yeah, it's, it's like people have like a little bit of, it showed that people have a lot of entitlement with craft beer, I think. And I think that that was a little interesting because now that like, they were bought out by the corporate suits and shit. Yeah, I'll transition to you in. on the suits and what we Did? should think about them. No, honestly, I'm the same way. My initial reaction was like, well, you know, that sucks. That's They lose a lot of authenticity at that point. But the question is, do they really? Because what, you know, like the romanticized idea of like Anheuser-Busch buying Carbach is like, them going into their factory with just like jugs of water and like watering down all their beers and just being like, it's so much cheaper now. Yeah. This is all garbage, but you know, it might just also be that they want a piece of the money that's coming in from Carbach and think that Carbach is, you know, growing. Right. So they well, want to be the people receiving all of the income from that. You know? I mean, it's probably a great <laughs> business move on the part of InBev. But it's just like as a consumer, like people that like craft beers and actively pursue trying like that are craft beer enthusiasts. It's just like annoying watching these people who are pretty much the opposite end of the scale come in and try and horn in and be like a part of the culture because they're almost the exact opposite culture where it's like we're just going to get beer out and we don't care like necessarily that like trying new things out. And, you know, I don't know. Yeah. I, I thought the reaction uh, just showed how much people care about that brewery because you don't you don't get that kind of you don't get that kind of reaction if, if people don't give a shit about what you're doing. You know, right. like when some random ass business makes a sleazy business move, no one knows because no one gives a shit. But yep. when a lot of people when Carbach means something to a great big community and it's in a move like that happens that was the reaction, you know, that to me, it just showed how much stake people felt in, in that brand and how much it, it mattered to them. And they just, they got to be very careful and how they present themselves going forward and mending whatever wounds they created. Cause fuck their businesses like dropping their product, you know, and straight up protesting, voting with their wallets, you know? So but do you think that's fair though? Is what I would ask. Is like, do you think that that's an overreaction and like a sense of entitlement that they might not actually like deserve to have over that? I, th- I think I think the guys who work at the brewery day in and day out are probably getting a lot of unnecessary flack. It wasn't their decision. Yeah. I I also kind of I agree with the sentiment of it being a a shitty sellout move that doesn't feel good. It doesn't sit well. You guys looked like you just took a paycheck because you did. Mm-hmm. And no one likes, especially a place like Houston, that's got so many working class people in it. You know, mm-hmm. it just doesn't, 
doesn't look good. Like it doesn't feel good. Um, and we asked, we had, we kind of had two answers in our single podcast that we did with a bunch of breweries. And we asked them, what does craft beer mean to you? And some people just talked about the process and other people were strictly like, if you're owned by these companies, you are not craft beer, you know? So just like the discussion with independent music or whatever it may be, the yeah. same thing comes up. So people have their own definitions and such. And I think it definitely stinks in a lot of different ways for people who are in, in, near it, you know? Right. Yeah. yeah. All right. Let's move on to our segment. Um, we are going to do a get to know your banners. Oh, hey, my name is. <laughs> hey. Oh, no, you, um, no, you go my first. bad. What, what's your favorite? Um, I'm Wait, sorry. You don't what think... was that? Get to know your banners. And the question I have for you guys today is what was a time in class where you had to hold your laugh the hardest? Where you were just like about to fucking burst but you can't laugh and so it just fuels that cycle of it's funnier now because you shouldn't be laughing at it you just want to think about fucking anything else and you're in a quiet hall just bouncing around and fucking giggling people are like looking at you if you're like me you're getting sweaty you know uh, yeah. <laughs> so it's it's like in school that we're talking about. Yeah. yeah. Or, you know, I feel like any inappropriate time to be laughing, you know. Any time that you shouldn't just be be giggling. You know? Okay, because I have a really good one that I shouldn't have been giggling at, but it wasn't in class. Well, let's hear it, man. Okay, so <laughs> it's I will try and shorten the story. There's a lot of aspects, but <laughs> I, went to, I went to Amsterdam, and uh, I tried magic mushrooms that were completely legal in Amsterdam. <laughs> when I did them. And it's funny. I'm not like, a criminal. Yeah. <laughs> and I. <laughs> Let me preface that I am not a criminal. In fact, um, but it's so oh, weird because like you go to the shop and you're just buying shrooms and they have like. You, you know, I think what you mean to say is you're buying drugs. Yeah. yeah. You know, like you just criminalize. Like, yeah. You can have these. And and like they have names and like different aspects of the drug with like star like five stars euphoria and all this shit so i just bought the mexicana which is like euphoric and you just laugh a lot and giggle a lot i did i decided to not go with the dragon slayer which was level four out of five yeah that seems um and everybody i was with was taking the dragon slayer and i was like i'm gonna take it easy i just want to laugh i don't really want to get that that messed up we think it's going to kick in. We had eaten before and you're not supposed to. So it took a long time to kick in. And like, I almost thought it just wasn't going to kick in. And by the time it started <laughs> kicking in, I was in line for the Anne Frank museum. <laughs> what? Oh my God. <laughs> so it started like really like, like peaking as I'm entering the Anne Frank museum. <laughs> and, and it's funny too, because like, I wasn't just like set off by nothing. Like I was just walking and trying to be as sober and like take it all in as possible. But I was with uh, like a really goofy, like Asian <laughs> friend of mine, and he just like had this super goofy. He took a dragon slayer and just had this super goofy, like serious look on his face. <laughs> One would say he had been slayed. Yeah, he like had, a walking meme. He had essentially been slayed, and I was just like. I, it was it was horrible because I was like <laughs> I, I had to laugh. That's what I'm saying. It's horrible. You're like in a prison of it's, laughter. It's the weirdest <laughs> dichotomy. I had to laugh and I was giggling, yeah. but I was watching like horrific 
Holocaust scenes. <laughs> I just felt like the biggest shithead in the world. So, Dude, and everyone around me was kind of like, is this guy fucking serious? You that's, know, like, that's... I don't know. But, but that was definitely the, the most inopportune time for me to be laughing. And I could not, like, I was, I was uh, inebriated. And so it did not help. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, mine's not as intense as that one. And the, and the worst part about it, is that it was a group text between the three of us. Oh, okay. But the problem is I was just talking with Chase about this like two or three days ago <laughs> that it kills me because I've been through like two or three phones since that I can't go back and check what we were laughing about. Oh. But something you two were bantering about okay. was like destroying me in the middle of my <laughs> geology class, which is like a textbook like PowerPoint 95-year-old fucking curmudgeon on the fucking front <laughs> explaining about the most boring subject ever in the most silent classroom you could ever be in. I remember I would always sit in the back so I could, you know, text and chill. And I just started losing it. And it was one of those very gradual processes. Was it about like, DBZ? I don't know. It was uh, a long okay. time ago. Oh, it was a long time ago. I mean, not a long time ago, but like a year and a half. Okay. Ago, I thought so. you were saying the other day because we were uh, discussing some goofy DBZ uh, shit. No, no, no. It was longer than that. But I just, it was such a slow build to where I was like giggling and thinking you're going to get a quick laugh out and like it's no big deal. Like everybody can go back to their lives. Yeah. And you just like get the laugh out and then you're just like, you know, your mind your runs down. away with it, dude. Yeah. You, you try to regroup and you just like you start <laughs> and you're like, all right, let me get back to task. And you're just like cheesing super hard. <laughs> yeah. you're like, oh my God. Like, <laughs> you're just like still laughing and just like trying not doing everything you can to not think about what it, is I going on. I mean, it just on. looks like you're holding in a huge fart almost. Because you're like face, you're, you're shuffling. fighting yourself, you know? Yeah. You're like, <laughs> Dude, you're like shifting around, you're shuffling, you're like looking around nervously. And it got to a point where I just had to fucking get up. And, and leave. leave the classroom like in like a hurry. Like I didn't even put my shit in my backpack. I like grabbed stuff and held it in my hands with my old open bag and walked out of the room and laughed the entire way out and went outside, <laughs> gave a big, hearty, juicy laugh and realized like I can't, I can't stop go back laughing. to class. And I just straight went home because I didn't want to. I, I couldn't go back to class because I was laughing so hard, dude. I literally. Could I'm not like, go I feel back. accomplished. Like we made you laugh so hard that you dude, had to. Leave. I had. I actually, I actually remember you telling us about this now. Like after. Yeah, I remember Happen. Being outside of class and be like, everybody shut the fuck up because I can't go to fucking class right now, dude. <laughs> I literally could not go back to my geology class because it's something you guys did. I wish I knew exactly what you were talking about. I'm going to have to look it up. About. I want to yeah. see if there's something. I'm about that, to data mine some of my old phones just to figure out. it out, dude. Yeah. Yeah. So I w- I've, most of my lectures, I would sit very close. And this one I got stuck in, once again, quiet. And I'm on my phone looking up Lewis CK quotes and like, I don't really know how I, how I got there. And next thing you know, I stumble into like a paragraph describing why a fart is funny. (laughs) And so I'm sitting there and it's just like, you know, Farts are the perfect punchline. It's a noise that comes from your butt. It's a, you know, like at one point he called it a butt trumpet. And after I, after I read butt trumpet, just trying to like get all of that out of my mind and like farts aren't funny. Like what the, what I just read yeah. isn't funny. And just slowly but surely, almost as if you're you're trying to troll yourself, or you're just like it's not funny. Butt <laughs> and then you just like keep going again. Oh my gosh. Those are good times. Oh man, for real. All right. I enjoyed those. Let's see if we've got mail. It's it. 
What do you guys, how do you guys feel on the mail? We don't have any mail. I'm going to say we don't have mail. If you, if you had to put it on a 50-50, anyone taking the bet? No, I, I know we have one outside of Dunter Horset. Oh, outside of Dunter. I almost thought that Dunter didn't mail in. Are you saying Dunter doesn't matter, Max? I'm saying Dunter. You're not going to count. Gonna, is, Dunter is the, the shoulder I can lean on in a moment like so this. So in that way, very matters. Yeah, he he's the only thing that matters. Real eloquent safe there. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> All right. Dunter Horset emails in. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And he says, what up? He says, what are your top three disappointing movies that you have seen? And don't you dung diddlers dare put Pacific Rim on this list because yeah, that that's Nick's for fucking sure. awesome. <laughs> Dunter the hot versus homely girl Horset. He's just uh, instigating with that Pacific Rim shit. Dude. But that has to be on there. I'm, so, so I feel was, like I wasn't that excited again? for that movie. I, I almost blanked out. What was the question? Really? <laughs> what year is it? What? <laughs> what? Huh? What are the What are the top three disappointing movies that you've seen? Just what are some disappointing movies that you've? I think that's a good one. That's a very good question, actually. It's a very modest question. And I have so, to say, we're saying disappointing, yeah, right? Yeah, movies that you had high expectations for. Because because I feel like there's just right up your alley, and honey. then there's like movies that like everyone thinks is good, and you're like, this is garbage. Um, but yeah, disappointing. I think is good. You got expectations. It's not gonna. It didn't <sighs> live up to them. Um, I dude, I have to put Pacific Rim on there because one, when I first saw the trailers for the movie, I was like, this movie looks like it fucking sucks. And then everybody around me was like, Max, you're an idiot. You're stupid. Your tastes are obsolete. You don't like cool things. And I was like, okay, I must be wrong. Please take me to see this movie because it must be great. And maybe I'm just being a fucking stick in the mud. And I remember we go there and we watched it. And I remember just being like halfway through the film being like, no fucking way. Yeah, right. <laughs> There's no way. And it's like, it's me like accepting the fact that like, oh, you know what, Max, don't be so stupid. It is just a giant robot movie. You love giant robots. You love Gundams. Why would you not like this? And then it's like, oh, yeah, all the other dumb shit in this fucking movie <laughs> is terrible. That's what blew the my mind. It's terrible. Like the movie was long. Yeah, and you dude. didn't get till the to the real robot fight until the end, and it was a good chunk of robot fighting. Yeah. But the rest of the movie was just fucking slogging, dramatic bullshit. <laughs> I like was embarrassed to watch <laughs> the fucking like you have to fight another pilot to see if you guys are the right fit because we can't. I don't think there's no way we can govern one robot. I was literally like putting my hands over my head, like, oh my god, this is so like awkward yeah. to watch. So, Terrible. Chase, I know you will uh, vibe with this one. I'm going to go with uh, the second James Bond for the, uh, what's his face? The Daniel the, Craig? Yes, the, the Daniel Craig, Quantum of Solace. Yeah, I think that's a good pick. I think for me, more specifically, uh, Spectre, I'd have to put. Because when, when Quantum of Solace came out, I wasn't like a real big Bond guy. So I wasn't right. looking forward to it. But I was really looking forward to Spectre. That one sucked. Damn, but I definitely vibe with you in too. the sense that I think that fucking movie is terrible. It was just weird because like I had totally watched it before. And I, I was just of the opinion. I was like, okay, well, you know, all these Daniel Craig Bond movies are pretty good. Like I dig him as a Bond. 
and um he's a and, bond and <laughs> and then just bond. and then for whatever reason you and i went back and watched it and it just made no sense at all like i was finally looking at it with clear eyes and it, it was like i was expecting it to be so much better and it was just so bad like we just kept asking questions like wait how is he in italy right now <laughs> he doesn't have a passport and that was the whole problem that like yeah, i don't know it was just it was incredible how how it, <laughs> it was looping us i didn't get it it was it was astounding yes. I'll, I'll honestly throw one out there and say uh the very first hunger games Oh, yeah. When that movie was coming out, I kind of got swept up in the fervor, and I was like, you know what? This looks cool. If this bitch is about to slay some people with a bow and arrow, like, (laughs) I'm in. And then, of course, you get to watch, and it's it's not violent, you know? Like, it's not anything, really. And I was like, well, that was fucking stupid of me, you know? Yeah, that movie sucks. I agree, because, like, yeah, you totally, like, you hear Hunger Games, and you see all this stuff about how it's going to be this big, like, you you expect blood and you expect action and the these whole, kids are gonna kill each yeah, other. Whole, you know you the whole blood? plot. The whole plot is them just hiding the whole time until it's done. Right? They just hide out and then they wait until the very end and then they win. And I'm like, did I watch this? Did I pay to watch this? Dragon Ball Evolution is a good easy one to throw in there. Oh my god! We all know in high school the second anybody saw. Did anybody the have real expectations that for that movie, though? Yeah, there was yeah no I guess that's true. I've actually never even seen it, so I don't think I can that qualifies. Yeah, technically, I don't know if it's bad or not. I'm yeah, just it's really true. going out on a limb that it's bad, because everybody's been telling me that. Yeah? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I just know that I would not like that movie. <laughs> 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 not to be a dick or anything, I just know. Oh, man. Um, Disappointing film. I think Iron Man 2 was another one for No, me. I was about to say Iron Man 3, I swear to God, and... Yeah, the Iron Man films mostly, <laughs> other than Iron Man One, I guess. When Iron Man One came out, there was for it was like okay, like super movie, superhero movies might be pretty cool. I still wasn't very high on on the first Iron Man, mm-hmm. but when I was when I was I was in for number two, you know, and then yeah. I saw number two. Of, these movies suck. <laughs> I didn't even go see three. Yeah, three was so fucking whack. <laughs> that movie was fucking terrible. He like flew across the country in his like halfway destroyed suit and then crashed in some kid's shed yes. and then like talked about it, talked with this kid for a little bit and then like rebuilt the suit in a shed somewhere. Oh, and so I was they like, had no. all the parts that he <laughs> What? I literally was like sitting in the theater. I was like, no, dude, you don't have the tools. <laughs> You're smart, but let's get it real. Yeah, that's fucking baloney, dude. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't, I don't know, man. Like, because I feel like I'm naturally a little cynical when it comes to movies. I don't have a lot of high expectations. Yeah, everything and, disappoints me. And I don't go... That's why I was... And, you're right for this question, man. I don't go to movies very often. Um, in fact, I can't even like remember the last movie. Plus, you don't ever get hyped for anything. You've said that on here before. You I'm don't a, ever get excited for anything. My family ever. calls me Eeyore. It's really sad. It's really sad. <laughs> That's super disappointing. Um, uh, but, I, yeah, I, I guess, um, I don't know. I, I think a superhero any, movie would be probably be uh, a, a good choice for me to add in as well. Anything Johnny Depp's been in in the last 10 years is, is, is <laughs> yeah, a big old disappointment in my eyes. <laughs> um, I don't want to say it was, like, disappointing, but I do think that, like, Winter Soldier was super overhyped. I thought for it was sure. overhyped. Yeah. I thought that the plot was stupid. Max, are you yeah. finally coming around to the fact that that movie sucks? 
Uh, that's what is, I'm gonna say. Like, I don't think it was is this a, a terrible battle. Movie, I'm finally gonna get the the victory point on. But I'm gonna say that, like, yeah, that movie compared to like some of the other Marvel films that have come out. Because I saw Civil War, and Civil War was like incredible, but fucking Winter Soldier, like comparatively, was super whack. I just felt like it was like this weird Nazi, like pseudo espionage. Yeah. I Dude, just, it was the stupidest fucking movie, man. The plot <laughs> is so dumb. Brain so, in the hammer. There it is. Fuck both it's, of you. It's so dumb. I hate that movie. Did anybody... Uh, I was just going to ask. Did anybody have any expectation that the original Transformers was going to be cool? Yeah. I mean, at that point in time, I was down to see any movie, really. You know? and Because, yeah. like, that was just, just no good. <laughs> That's just no good. And they did more. And more and more. All right, I think I think the last one I can think of is Prometheus as well. Dude, I was that's really a excited good, for that movie. That's a yeah, fucking that's a really one. good answer. And it was pretty boring. You know, like Prometheus. it was visually impressive, but it was just boring. Sucked. What like, about? Oh, yeah. are there any M Night Shyamalan movies y'all want to throw in there? Oh, oh dude, dude, the that's, happening. I, I saw that the <laughs> elevator, whatever it was. Like I don't even remember what it was called. It, there was a there's a plot. The plot of the movies are stuck in the elevator with the devil, and who's the devil? And it was so stupid. Yeah. Yeah. He's coming out with a new movie, by the way. I don't know if y'all saw that. I have seen it. I'm like, oh, oh no, they're they're putting it out to be like it's going to be a scary movie, and it won't be, and then everyone's going to say it sucks. I've never seen this happen before. <laughs> All right. Thank you for the question, Dunter. Keeping the mail corner alive. I've had people tell me that they've written into the show, and I'm like not receiving the emails for some reason. So I'm going to check. If you've sent a question in recently, we haven't read it, there might be a problem going on here we're gonna we're gonna get to the bottom of that shit tweet it just for you guys all right let's put let's put numbers on this one i'm i'm interested to hear what you guys are gonna come out to max you go first okay let me take one last reassuring sip okay you, we will uh we will give you that honor extend that luxury Ooh. um it's got almost like an appealing flatness to it. It's almost desirable in that sense. It's like very, I say drinkable. It's like a sexy a boringness, you know? Like, yeah, really, <laughs> really, you know? I've never gotten enough of this just desire for bland. It doesn't overextend itself. It's not trying to impress you with like a dinner of like shit you've never heard of. It's just cooking you that meal you know. Oh, you like macaroni really and cheese? Well. No, you haven't Check had my macaroni and cheese. Out. And then you're just like, damn, Stu killed it. And then when somebody's like, what did he do different? You're like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't need to know. Yeah. He did it right. But I do, I mean, uh, like the breadiness is really nice. Um, that sweetness is very subdued, but it's definitely there. Um, like you guys were saying before, it's just like a roasted sort of like toast feeling to it. And it's just nice and clean and drinkable and sessionable as you guys would say i found myself having to like like hold myself back as i was drinking it you know mm -hmm. which is always a good thing but uh i'm not gonna Couldn't say it's the best it in beer in the world but it is a very you know it it deserves a 7.5 okay chase you or me i'll take it okay when i think of an english ale I want just a drinkable pub beer, and I wish I didn't just have one can of this. And I wish I wasn't drinking it from a can. I wish I had a glass, a pint of it, and I wish I was with you guys in a fucking bar somewhere. Mm -hmm. 
just chatting about whatever. Oh, yeah. And I would probably put a, several of these down. I would keep ordering it, you know, because it's fucking good. It's really easy to drink. It's sweet, and it's not overpowering in, in its sweetness. Like, I think there is a malt complexity there that makes the sweetness interesting. Um, the nuttiness of it, I think it it has some depth to it in kind of when you when you eat nuts like they're fatty they coat your tongue you know i feel like that's kind of happening also and i i think contributing to it is the fact that it's not very carbonated i really like that about this beer so i think this beer is great well executed i'm gonna give it an 8.5 wow nice kicking it up a notch so i think the thing that i would say that it pleases me most is the mouthfeel. Tingles your bits. It tingles my jibblies. And it's it's just a clean finish and a, and a shorter taste profile. I feel like it doesn't just like sit around and hang around. Uh, it's not a linger. Um, <laughs> it's a longer. <laughs> but, um, but that being said, I mean, when I think of like a, a brown ale and specifically a nut brown ale, I thought that it would provide a little bit more flavor-wise. I do think that there is like, I I think you know it it, it does have sort of like a complex malt uh, layering, but it's and it's not like confusing, so that's nice. It's not like it's like there's all this stuff going on, but I, I just thought that something would jump out a little bit more at me or to me regarding the flavor of it, and just like maybe I would get more of a nuttiness. I, I do think that it has like subtle sweetness, a little bit of breadiness. But that being said, yeah, like nothing really stood out to me, but I can't really take anything away from it, really. Um, so it, it gets to sort of like my middle of the road score because I think it's solid. I'm going to give it a seven. There you have it. That's a nice little spectrum. Hmm. We actually got a pretty broad range. Spread the, yeah. but- spread the butter, man. More, more than usual. One of us was wrong. One of us was kind of both. Close. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'll take well, that's it. been episode 83. Witty Banter's on iTunes. Search for us. Subscribe to us. We're on Twitter at Witty Banter Show. Max is at probably Max. I'm at Bodacious Chase. That's it, man. We're coming and we're getting close to the end of the year. I, Dude, it's going to be December before we know it. There's a lot of things going on then. Have we officially prefaced? Uh, with our listeners, what's what we're planning for December? Or should we keep it a secret? Yeah, I mean, well, we've talked several times about the the NASA episode. That one's coming up, but yeah, let's in a couple episodes we'll lay out the calendar. We'll lay out the schedule. Yeah, okay. soon. That way everybody can adjust their schedules around around us. You know? us. Sorry, family, I can't come out this year <laughs> for Christmas <Thanksgiving>. vacation. <laughs> Witty Banner podcasts are coming out in a certain degree that's making me not be able to take this flight. <laughs> yeah. And I could never listen to it yeah, on the airplane. I'm not about, yeah, I, I, that would be disrespectful to them. I need to be on my couch. Be at Full home. focus. So, sorry about that. So, we appreciate you. All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll see you next time. Beep, 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 beep.